Psalm 139 for us, if you'd like to follow on. Uh, it's found on page 628 of the Church Bibles. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Second reading is from Luke, uh, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, and oh, can be found on page 1027 of the Church Bibles. The birth of Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee in Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room, no guest room available for them. Well, all week there's sort of been three questions running through our mind, I think. When are the fires coming? Where are the fires coming? And what are they going to do? It's so good, isn't it? There's so much information to be had now. You've got your app, you've got the internet, you can read it, you can hear it on the news, you can read your newspaper. You're constantly hearing more information and they're good at it, these forecasters. Southerly coming at 6pm. 6pm, southerly, where I was. They're so good at it and giving so much time and sacrifice. But in the end, we were really aware it was out of our control weren't we? And out of the control of even the experts. I was at the Bowen Mountain meeting on, on Monday night. There must have been at least 500 people there. They told us about how to be ready, what sort of boots you could wear, what sort of long sleeve shirt you could wear, what sort of hat you should wear. But actually what we wanted to know was what day and what time was the fire coming to my house? And the man sadly said that he didn't have a crystal ball. We didn't know. And as someone said, it's like there's this giant monster over the hill about to put its head over and devour us and we just don't 
No. All we could do was uh, institute our fire plan or feel bad for not having had a fire plan and coming up with something at the last minute. Some of us were planning to stay. Some of us were planning to go. And then what would you take? What would you put in the car that was actually worth taking? They are all the thoughts going through our mind. As those thoughts are going on and those things we're doing were going on, what were we feeling? Well, we're feeling afraid, weren't we? Feeling helpless in the end. Feeling like we wanted to help, like Graham said, but not knowing how to help. Or as someone said to me, it was the tension of waiting. The fireys, no doubt, were feeling exhausted. After weeks of this and feeling afraid and we're feeling just complete admiration and thanks for them. Well, this morning you woke up and how were you feeling then? Most of us, I think, probably especially up at Bone Mountain, were feeling relief. The southerly had come. The wind wasn't as bad as predicted before that. And it was okay for now. Even for those who were directly affected, someone who actually had a fire on their property, he said, at least the tension of waiting is over now. The relief. For some people, there's grief. For they've lost property, they've lost their home. And for some of us who haven't lost something, maybe we feel guilt because other people have. You'd be a really sensitive New Age guy if you could understand all of those feelings going on for you, wouldn't you? It's just hard to sort of package them and understand all those things that are going on at once and to feel okay about them. And that's why for years now, I've found this psalm, Psalm 139, that we just read really helpful. Let me read to you the, last, the first couple of verses. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. Even when I don't understand my own thoughts and my own feelings... There is someone who does, understands exactly what you are going through and exactly how you are feeling. God knows and God cares. And he knows and cares how you and I are feeling. Isn't that good? If we're not sure how we're feeling, one thing's for sure, it certainly doesn't feel like Christmas, does it? Christmas is supposed to, at this point, feel pretty much under control. You may well have planned to do all your Christmas shopping, like my father used to, on Christmas Eve afternoon. But you might have actually finished your Christmas shopping. Uh, work maybe is finished, it's all coming together, you've got the family engagements planned out. It's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas by this stage. And yet it doesn't, does it? Because it feels chaotic. You're not quite sure what's going to happen this week, even. 
And Christmas is not meant to be like that. Well, as I reflected on, uh, on our second Bible passage tonight, on the actual first Christmas story, I realised that the first Christmas was not under control. It was certainly chaotic, and the people involved were vulnerable, scared, and were subject to bigger forces than them. He said at the beginning of the Bible passage in Luke 2, why is it that they have to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem? Because a force far greater than them is in control. Caesar. Like a giant monster who rears his head over the hill and says, go. And they've got to go. And Mary and Joseph, it's not exactly convenient, is it? She's heavily pregnant. She's thinking, when's the baby coming? And where's the baby coming? And so they go on this four-day walk. Like evacuees. Not really knowing where they're going to stay when they get there. At least if you went yesterday, you probably had something planned of where you were going, even if it was Richmond Club. Do they have that? No. And when they got to Bethlehem, Joseph's hometown, I take it because of the shame of her being an unwed mother, they turned up where he had heaps of relatives and not one of them had a guest room for them to stay in. No room at the inn. And so this baby ends up being put in an animal food box. Talk about out of their control uncertainty and fear. And as if that wasn't bad enough, King Herod gets wind of it. He thinks he's in control and he doesn't want another king on the scene and so he sets about to kill this baby. And they have to flee. Where do they flee to, do you remember? Not Richmond, not even Blacktown. They went to Egypt. For two years. The first Christmas was certainly not in control. But actually, Caesar was not in control, and Herod was not in control. God was in control. He had said his king was going to be born in Bethlehem. And like a little puppet, Caesar sends them there. What happened at Christmas? It was God with us, wasn't it? And when he came to be with us, he was into the chaos and destruction and fear of our world. God not only knows, he not only cares, God came and experienced it himself. How good is that? In all the feelings that we're going through, he not only understands them, but has been through them. And we know we can cry out to him. But you actually want more than that, don't you? You don't just want a God who, who, who knows and cares and came. You want some hope. Whether you decided to go or to stay... I reckon a whole lot of us looked around our house and wondered whether it was going to look the same 
tomorrow. Even if it wasn't your house, because your house was not in the firing line in any sense, you wondered whether your community was going to be the same tomorrow. What was it going to look like? Our little lives that feel safe most of the time were about to be shaken. Was there any hope for that? Well, the angel told Mary this baby was going to be a king forever. And there's a terrific verse in Hebrews 12 at the end of the chapter that says this. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That cannot be destroyed. That cannot be taken away like your possessions, like your house, like your community can be taken away. God not only knows, he not only cares, and he not only came. When he came, he secured a kingdom for us to live in that cannot be shaken. How good is that? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we struggle to understand all the feelings and churnings that go on for us when there are forces beyond our control that are powerful and dangerous forces. And even now, though we feel that sense of relief today, we don't know what the future holds. So, Father, we thank you that you know and you care about how we feel and we can cry out to you. We thank you that you not only know and care, but that you came and came into a world of chaos and disorder where it seemed that powerful, evil men were in control. We thank you that you are in control. And through this baby, whom we celebrate at Christmas, we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken, unlike everything else we value. We thank you for this hope. Help us to cling onto it firmly. We pray it in Jesus' name.